Well, good morning, everyone. We want to welcome those of you who are brave enough to wake up this morning and come to church. I know it's a new year and it's been kind of crazy, cold, rainy weather, and so whenever that kind of weather happens, we feel like we probably want to sleep in, so we thank everybody who did come out today. Now, I love the holiday season. I love this time of year where we celebrate Advent, we celebrate New Year's, and I like right after that, which is Epiphany. But what is Epiphany, really? Now, you guys know, and I've talked about it before, how much I like to know things. And if I want to know things, I Google it, right? <laughs> you can literally find out almost anything on Google. And so if I want to know something, I Google it. And so I was like, well, let's see what Google says about epiphany. And so this is exactly what popped up, the definition. The manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as represented by the Magi the festival commemorating the Epiphany on January 6th, a manifestation of the divine or supernatural being, and a moment of sudden revelation or insight. Now, the one we're really going to look at, the one that we celebrate when we celebrate Epiphany, is that first one, and we find it in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 2. The Magi, when Christ comes, and the Magi find him, the wise men. And so I invite you to take a closer look at that with me right now in the Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Starting with verse 1. starting with verse 1, and it says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, the province of Judea, at the time when King Herod reigned. Not long after Jesus was born, Magi, wise men, or seers from the east, made their way from the east to Jerusalem. These wise men made inquiries. They said, Where is this newborn who is the king of the Jews? When we were far away in the east, we saw his star. And we have followed its glistening and gleam all the way here to worship him. Now King Herod began to hear rumors of the wise men's quest. And he and all his followers in Jerusalem were worried. So Aaron called all the leading Jewish teachers, the chief priests and the head scribes, and he asked them where Hebrew tradition claimed the long-awaited anointed one would be born. The scribes and priests said that an ancient prophet Micah said, But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judea, are no correlation, for from your people will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Herod called the wise men to him, demanding to know the exact time that special star had appeared to them. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem. 
He said, go to Bethlehem and search high and low for this Savior child. And as soon as you know where he is, report it to me so that I may go and worship him. The wise men left Herod's chambers and went on their way. The star they had first seen in the east reappeared. A miracle that, of course, overjoyed in the rapture of the wise men. The star led them to the house where Jesus And as soon as the wise men arrived, they saw him with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They unpacked their satchels and gave Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, just as Joseph did a few months before, the wise men had a dream warning them not to go back to Herod. The wise men heeded the dream, ignoring Herod's instructions, and returned to their homes in the east by a different May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, in the scripture, the Magi said wise men. They're called wise men for a reason. They were extremely well-educated. Believed to be from the Mesopotamia region in the Middle East. They sought out knowledge, which is the reason that after learning about the prophecy regarding the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior, who would be born to the Israelites, they followed that star all the way to Bethlehem, where they would find the Messiah. Now, I used to love reading those articles in Reader's Digest, especially the funny ones, those comments that were stories or blurbs about how people had a, a funny story, a funny incident, and I loved to read those. And I came across this one that had appeared in an article years ago. And it had said, have you ever imagined what would have happened if the three wise men had been three wise women instead? And the article went on to suggest, well, the first thing, instead of going all the way to King Herod, asking Herod, Hey, where would the baby be? They would have just sought out directions from the stable locally, wanting to know where to find Jesus. The other thing it said was they would have been going and had arrived in enough time to even help deliver the baby. They went as far as to suggest they would have cleaned the stable and bought a practical gift for the family instead of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, something that they could have used for a newborn. But I think in that joke, what we really miss, and that we often do when we read this story of Epiphany, is what we're to learn from the wise men. What does this story really mean to us? How can we apply it to our lives today? And so just as we've taken a closer look during Christmas about the importance the angels coming to the shepherds meant and the importance the shepherds had in being chosen to spread the gospel, we're going to look a little deeper into why it's important for us to recognize that the Magi were the ones chosen. God chose them 
We learned during Advent that the shepherds were considered to be low-class citizens, remember? So we have the low-class citizens, and then we have Magi, being well-educated men from the East, right? In fact, Magi were a priestly caste from possibly Persia, which was once a mighty country around the area where Iraq is now. And in fact, they were probably astrologers and may have even been considered sorcerers as they were more than likely trained in the occult. And in fact, the term Magi is the basis for what modern words as magician and magistrate are derived. It didn't come later that we decided that they were kings when in the second century, a church father named Tertullian suggested that oh, these men were kings because the Old Testament hadn't even predicted that kings would come and worship the Christ. And then he said, and then look at the gifts that they bought, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. They were all expensive gifts. Surely these people had to be very wealthy kings in their own right to be able to afford such expensive things. And we don't even know the names. You notice in the scripture it doesn't talk about it. It was in the 6th century that they, we decided that well, if we're going to tell a story about them, we should probably give them names. But since we're going with the Bible story, we won't refer to them by name. We'll just call them the Magi, the wise men. And what I want us to think about first is that just like the shepherds were considered low-caste citizens to the Israelites. The wise men, the magic might have been well-educated in high-class society where they were from, but in Israel, they had a couple of things against them. They were Gentiles. More than likely Persians, to be precise. So they weren't even Jews, which were God's chosen people. And then, this is the big one, they were astrologers. And astrology was expressly forbidden on pain of death, according to Deuteronomy 18. So, they were obviously not who the Israelites would consider worthy of having the Messiah having God revealed to them. So why exactly did God choose them? Well, just as God used the shepherds to illustrate that the Messiah was coming to those who needed him most, the outcast, the needy, he used the Magi to illustrate three main things that we can learn from today. Three things that help us to see that wise men, regardless of their background, still seek First, that the gospel is a gospel for all nations and all people. And that when we want to know God, we should seek him out. And finally, that our attitudes, our minds, our hearts are going to have to be in the right place. And so first, the wise men help us learn the important lesson that the gospel is for all people. 
be shared with anyone, anywhere. The gospel, just as it was given to the shepherds, the lowly society, was given to people not even in the Jewish society to illustrate that the Savior was a Savior for all. That he had come so that all may be free. Not just a select few righteous people in the world. We don't have to wait until we're living a morally good life before God seeks us out. Because in fact, if moral perfection was one of God's criteria, then there'd be even less people here today than there are right now. In fact, we'd be empty. But God accepts us. We sang it earlier. Not because of who we are, but because of what He's done. And not because of what we've done, but because of who He is. <laughs> the gospel is a message to be shared. The wise men, the Magi, when they sought out, when they began their journey to seek out the Messiah, they didn't think about whether or not they would be welcome. They just knew that they knew this was something they wanted to do. And so they put aside any thought of prejudices and sought out. We need to be willing to seek out Christ in all things. And be willing to share the gospel to all people. The second lesson we can learn is the wise men were smart enough to know if you want to know something, if you want to know someone, you have to seek that information out. You have to get to know that person. And to do that, you got to meet them, right? Imagine I sought Jesus. It's the reason God revealed himself. Because they were willing to seek him out. He revealed himself to them. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me. That's what they were doing. They were seeking him with all their heart. And they found him. And so the question for us is, even though we might not get everything right in our lives, if we have a heart that is right for God, he will reveal himself to us. Just as he used a star to reveal the location of the Messiah to the wise men. It wasn't by chance that the star showed up. Numbers 24, 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel. 
even before Messiah's birth, God had decided that the star would be the way. For those willing to follow. And the third lesson, finally, for us to, to take in was attitude, and let's admit it. There are so many of us today, and so many people we run into the world, where they have a problem with attitude. It's the reason when God revealed Jesus to the Magi, he did it because their attitude, their hearts, their minds were in line. They had obeyed the leadings of God. In particular, they had followed a star. So I want you to imagine we'd be going on a journey. No GPS. No map quest. Not even any old school maps that you have to fold out that cover the whole windshield. The only guidance you have is a star. Not even charting your path along the sky, night sky with them, but a star, one star. You were literally following it. Now, we mentioned earlier that they more likely were from the Mesopotamia region, cities such as Persia and stuff. And so, from Persia to Jerusalem, you are looking at anywhere from over 800 to over 1,000 miles. That's like deciding that we're going to follow a star to places such as Denver, Colorado, or Atlanta, Georgia, to put the length of the trip in perspective. Would you be willing to give up everything you were doing, not even having a real solid idea of exactly where you are going, but follow a star on a journey that's that long? You didn't even know how long, but you, could you imagine getting halfway? Like if you're going to Atlanta and you hit Mississippi, and you know you've been driving for a while, you don't know how much further you're going, the star's still leading you on, and you begin to wonder, right? But the wise men kept going. They were obedient to the guidance of God. These well-educated men were not too proud or big to follow a star. <laughs> the book of Matthew, we read it, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, says we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him, right? They weren't just stargazers looking at the stars. They didn't just see the star. They followed through on their beliefs by following the star. Following the leaders of the Lord can be quite risky, and it can be quite time-consuming. We said that the Magi had to go from Persia to Jerusalem, and we even put it in perspective. I once had to drive to Atlanta. I ended up stopping for the night, but I was in a vehicle on the interstate, going about 60-some-odd miles an hour, right? They did not have that luxury. They were not traveling by plane, or automobile, or even bicycle. They were traveling by more than likely camel. That means that in fact the trip would have taken several months. 
months of following a star and not knowing when you'll arrive at your final destination. But they continued on. They persevered over dangerous territories. They probably maybe even encountered bandits. Would you be willing to take the risk they did? That's why we can learn from them about their right attitude, having our hearts in the right place. They sought Jesus for the right reasons. It says they had come to worship him. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, why do we seek God? Why do we come to church? Why do we pray? Do we come to church for the free breakfast we just had during Sunday school? Do we come so that we can see our friends and our family and fellowship with one another? Or is the real reason, the main reason that we come to church so that we can worship Jesus? That's why we come together as a family of believers, so that we can worship him together in fellowship of believers with one another. The wise man attitude was also correct that when they found Jesus, they knew the importance of who they were meeting, and they presented him with very costly gifts. The gold indicated kingship, and what was more fitting for the king of kings than gold? And so, if Jesus is the king in our life, what gold do we have to offer him? What do we hold on to that is precious that we can bring to the Lord? The frankincense, which was an ingredient used by priests in temple worship to blend with the smell of the sacrifice. Frankincense was brought as a symbol to symbolize worshiping. If we if we wish to worship God, Jesus wants us to offer up our lives as a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, as it says in Romans 12, 1. So the question is, is what is the frankincense that we can offer to Jesus? What is the smell of our worship? What are we willing to pay? And finally, the last gift they brought was myrrh. Now, myrrh was actually used to embalm the dead. So when you think about it, it is kind of a crazy, thoughtless gift to bring to the baby Messiah. But we see the Magi being well-educated men, knew that Jesus, the Messiah, had been born to die. Hebrews 10, 10 says, And we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once and for all. The murder reminds us that Jesus came to die on the cross to bring all of us to a new relationship with God. And in return, Christ expects us to die our selfish desires and to take on the desires of God. Paul puts it best when he says this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but 
but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I will live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Their attitude was correct because they understood what they were being called for, what they were following. And the, they were correct in the fact that they listened to what the Lord was saying. And how many of us catch it whenever we hear the story of Advent? But in verse 12, it talks about how they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And so they proceeded to go home a different way. They were warned in a dream being divinely warned in their dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their country and lived away, is what it says. How does that challenge us to simply do what God wants us to do and not even think about what it's going to cost us? Because they may have left another way, but if Herod had caught them, they would have been killed because they were given a charge to return to him. There are times in our life when God calls us, and we must be willing to respond, regardless of what the cost is. The challenge of the Magi that we can learn today is this. If we want to hear from God, we need to come to him to worship Jesus rather than to come to God. We are challenged to make Jesus Lord of our lives rather than allow fear to control our destiny. I've seen a poster before. Sometimes they seem a little cliche, but it doesn't take away their truth. And it says, Good morning, this is God, and I will be handling your problems today. If you need my help, call on me. And if I need your help, I'll let you know. But otherwise, have a good day. Amen. So, what gifts are we willing to bring to the king? What goal do we have? Would we hold precious in our lives if we were willing to give to the Lord for him to use as he would? Frankincense. What is our true worship? And verb. Let us be willing to die of our old selves and to live for Christ. We're going to have some time in prayer. And we're actually going to play a song. Normally people play it around Easter. But when we were thought, um, talking about gifts that we could bring to the Lord, this one particular song popped in my mind. And so as we enter into our time of prayer, I ask that we listen 
to the song, think on the words, and think about what you have to offer your king. Make a promise to seek him out. Just as the video in Sunday school showed, wise men still seek him out. So as the song plays, we'll have our time of prayer. If you would like to come to the altar to pray, feel free to do so. Thank you. 
worship and praise Him. to seek him out and to bring him the gifts he wants to receive from us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. And Lord, We take this opportunity to offer what is precious to us, like the gold the wise men offer, or even the oil that Mary had in her alabaster box, Lord. What is precious in our lives and precious to us. We offer up a gift of frankincense. Our true worship, Lord. May you live in our hearts and may we offer you praise in all things. And Heavenly Father, with myrrh, may we anoint our old lives with myrrh so that it can finally be behind us, Lord. That it is dead and past and we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come because we are made new in you. Be with us, Lord. Just watch over us and keep us safe. And help us to seek you out for all of our days, Lord. And to share the gospel with everyone. So that the world may see that even still today, wise men still follow Christ. Lord, we ask these things through Jesus' name. Amen.